Welcome to Engaging Experts, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with influential attorneys. Our guests will describe their practice and expertise. Then we will go deep on various topics related to effectively using expert witnesses. Hi, this is Russ Rosenzweig. I am the CEO and co-founder of Roundtable Group and also the host of this podcast series called Engaging Experts. We have a great guest for you today, the amazing Antoinette Balta, executive director and co-founder of Veterans Legal Institute right here in beautiful Orange County, California. And let's get started, please, with a message from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Before we dive in, I just want to share something with the audience, which is that this is my debut appearance as the host of this show. And you, Antoinette, are our very first honored guest. So thank you. Very gracious and courageous of you to say yes to this invitation. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And thank you for letting me be the first of what I hope will be very many. So Antoinette, first of all, let me thank you for your service to our country as a former officer of the California National Guard. I feel like now more than ever, this is so appreciated. And it's really such an honor to have you as our very first guest. Um, as someone who spends her time helping those who have served our country. So Antoinette, let's start there. Tell us about why you went to law school and why you decided to focus your career on helping veterans rather than, say, going into big law. Thank you so much, Russ. Well, first, I was a member for six years, an officer in the California State Guard, different than the National Guard, but it was such a pleasure to work alongside their JAG officers in the legal arena, as well as with their marketing uh, people over there. I went to law school like everyone else because I wanted to achieve what's perceived as the American dream. You know, nobody in my family um, had gone to receive an upper level education. In fact, no woman on either side of my family had actually had a four-year degree prior to me. So um, I had a personal goal and I knew that I wanted to get this law degree and use it to help other people who might not have had um, the privilege or the benefits uh, that I thought I had as a first generation American. So, you know, like most other people who go to law school, I racked up some serious debt um, achieving that dream. And so when I first got out of law school several years ago, I did practice in private law and I did that for about five years um, trying to pay off my, uh, my student loans and also learn the trade. And once I was in a financial situation where I was able to pivot into public interest, I made that move because I knew that I always wanted to work with vulnerable populations and use my, my talents as an attorney to that end. Well, wow. First of all, thank you for making that transition. And let's talk about that. Let's discuss the co-founding of Veterans Legal Institute because, you know, that act makes us fellow entrepreneurs. So I'm always keen to hear kind of the, the startup story. 
Well, you know, the word nonprofit is such a misnomer, I came to learn. Uh, when you run a nonprofit, it's just like uh, running a business. You still have overhead and you do need to bring in income in order to keep the lights on and pay the staff and retain the staff with benefits. And um, I knew that I wanted to do public interest work. And I started out my public interest career as an AmeriCorps. I was in AmeriCorps for two years. Um, as an Equal Justice Works legal fellow, which is very similar to Teach for America, but for attorneys. And I had the privilege of working with low-income people on the civilian side. Um, and I stayed on after my fellowship at a local legal aid after that. But what I realized I wanted to do is I really wanted to pay it forward to the men and women in uniform because um, what happens in the state of California, most legal aids are funded through the California State Bar. It's called IOLTA funding. And as is necessary, there are requirements to get that funding and there are um, income requirements. And the problem is, is what I was noticing, 100% disabled veterans who collect that income for their disability are just a little bit outside that range. The most disabled veterans are too poor to access legal services, but they're too rich to qualify for free legal aid. Um, and I wanted to change that. And I also wanted to have a home for veterans that had the military cultural competence necessary in order to establish rapport with them and gain their trust so that we could help the most disabled, the most poor, um, the most mentally ill um, of the batch and basically head them towards self-sufficiency. Once you came up with that idea, how did you... Like, what were the next steps? We would call it marketing in the traditional entrepreneurial context. But how did you figure it all out? How did you attract those noble veterans, our, our beloved wounded warriors to the cause? How, how were you able to put together all the pieces so that you'd be able to help them effectively? Well, starting a nonprofit is very difficult because you need seed funding. And um, there was a long period of time I was unable to take a paycheck. But fortunately, I was able to survive. I, I understood that that would be part of it. I gathered a tribe of champions, which became my members of the board at Veterans Legal Institute. And we put together a business plan and we started helping out veterans one at a time. Um, and over the last six years, we've been fortunate to garner over 20 employees at this point, all serving a cause that's greater than themselves and helping um, these veterans, active service members, and reservists in need. Uh, but it took a lot of, you know, I had to pound the pavement. I had to tell my story. I had to tell it in a way where people who were non-legal or non-military understood it. And I had to ask them to basically fund this endeavor um, with no expectation of anything in return other than paying it forward to somebody who served our country and, and made that, um, that gesture for our benefit. And our freedom. And so I was able to get the support almost immediately of the Orange County Bar Association and the Orange County Bar Association's charitable fund did give me some seed funding. And from there, we just skyrocketed. And the funniest thing is people always say, well, oh my gosh, I'll help you get clients. <laughs> it's never been hard finding clients or giving away free legal services. We are inundated with over 2,500 inquiries a year. Um, we receive referrals from almost every veteran service uh, in the county, and we actually even receive inquiries from out of state frequently. So um, 
We've been fortunate that the word gets out and it's an unfortunate testimony to the fact that we are often the only choice for veterans and the need is so great. Well, I had the pleasure of witnessing firsthand some of the success stories, so to speak, when I attended your gala uh, famous party a month or two ago, which was virtual this year. Uh, and it was really quite moving. And I wonder if you could speak to our listeners just about some of the early successes, you know, after you got that initial funding and kind of got to work helping our veterans, what were some early success stories that really moved you and helped you kind of validate and confirm that this, that you're on the right path? Well, I'll tell you that any opportunity to lift up a veteran in need is a success. And some of those successes come, it might seem insignificant to some people, and some of them are very obvious and clear. When you um, get a, you know, an award for PTSD for a veteran who survived military sexual trauma, or when you save a veteran and his or her family, you keep them in their home, those are obvious successes. Um, anything that removes a barrier to housing, healthcare, education, or employment, which is part of the mission at Veterans Legal Institute. But I will share with you a victory. It's not an early success, but it just happened. And I'd love for you guys to get the breaking news and you to be the first to know. Um, several years ago, one of my interns, who is a um, Navy corpsman, a combat medic in uh, the Middle East, was stationed with Marines and there was an explosive device. He noticed it, he jumped on a fellow Marine, the explosive device went off and he was severely injured and hospitalized for several months. Um, he's who I consider to be an American hero and one that would be deserving of a Purple Heart. And when he was sharing his story with me several years ago, I said, wow, and when did you get your Purple Heart? And he said, well, I didn't, I didn't get one. I didn't apply. I don't deserve it. I mean, you know, people died and I made it and I'm just fortunate and, and proud to have served our nation. And I said, but you know, you deserve a purple heart for what happened. You're a hero. And in the case of most veterans, he very humbly said, no, I'm no better than anyone else. And I was just doing my job and I'm proud to be an American. He is of actually Argentinian descent. So he came here as a teenager and was so grateful um, to this country that he joined the military. Um, so by coincidence, I had met an attorney who used to process Purple Hearts when she was in the military. And I asked her if she would take this case on pro bono and I gave her a write-up and she did. And that was several years ago. We just received a word of the Purple Heart. And it wow. is full circle what this hero deserves. And it's truly, it took a village of people to make sure that this happens. So I feel today that all is right in the world despite, you know, everything going on in the peripheral, whether it be in the economy or politics or anything of that nature. I feel very good that one veteran was right in today. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. That just a story like that is so moving and so needed during these times we're living in right now. So Thank you for sharing that. A piece of good news, a piece of breaking news. Um, how do we create more wins like this, for lack of a better term, like for our listeners, many of whom are themselves attorneys? 
um, or in some cases, expert witnesses or fellow entrepreneurs, you know, people listening who are moved by this and might say, you know, I want to help, particularly Veterans Legal Institute. You know, give us a website and give us some examples, please, Antoinette, of, you know, how lawyers, how, you know, even those like Roundtable Group who run professional services firms um, in the legal arena can, can create more stories like you just described. Well, I would be happy to do so. I mean, as I mentioned, it took a village to make sure that that hero received his Purple Heart. And a lot of people tell me, you know, oh, I wish I was an attorney so I could help you. Or attorneys will say, gosh, I wish I could work in public interest, but it just doesn't pay the salary that I need to maintain my household. And I always tell people the same thing. Just like in the military, you need every enlisted of every rank and every officer of every rank for that machine to run. Every part is important and every person is important. Veterans Legal Institute, like other businesses, runs with, you know, we need help with marketing, PR, our finances, development, legal, everything that you can imagine. And so we call always upon attorneys first and foremost to take cases pro bono. We put together cases for them and we send them out once a month in an anonymous fashion by case number with a little summary of what's available in each area of the law. Um, and then we look at you know paralegals to come in. We ask people to volunteer and come in even to help just with the office staff. We don't like our phone ever to go to voicemail, so we're always looking for people to assist with answering the calls. And you're gonna laugh, but we actually have a Korea-era veteran who volunteers at our office once a week. He's a definitely an older adult, and he has self-proclaimed and self-named himself our chief paper shredder. So he comes in once a week just to shred paper, and that's what he wants to do, and he loves it. And we need it because, as a law firm, we've got those needs. So. One way is you can take a case. Another way is you can help with the operation. A third way is you can consider joining the board of an organization like Veterans Legal Institute and acting as an ambassador, spreading the good news, bringing in more support for this very much needed cause. You can be like um, an exemplary, socially responsible professional organization like Roundtable that chooses to engage in philanthropic causes like Veterans Legal Institute by supporting our events financially. I know that RTG was a sponsor of our Lawyers for Warriors uh, gala, virtual gala, which featured some very high-end speakers like the former secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, Congress members, as well as others. So there's no shortage of ways. Our website is vetslegal.org, and you can sign up, and through the website, you can actually reach me directly and we can always talk and, and come up with a plan that suits you know, your, each individual person, each individual business, each individual law firm, et cetera. And one last question I have, Antoinette, just on a little bit more of a personal note. You know, it's quite moving that you yourself have been um, of service to our nation as an officer with the California State Guard. And I'm just wondering, you know, as we kind of conclude this first debut podcast, I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit about what that experience was like and how you were able to balance your work at VLI with, you know, also what it was like to be in the California State Guard as an officer during the pandemic. Any stories you care to share? 
I had a wonderful experience over the past six years in the State Guard. I got to meet some very um, quality people who really truly believe in the importance of serving our state of California, which I love so much. I have been in California most of my life and it was important to me to find ways to contribute to its safety and security. And so I did have the privilege of, uh, during the pandemic, going up to Sacramento and um, Camp San Luis Obispo twice. And when I was in Sacramento, I will tell you that it was really fun to see, and this was at the early on in, of the pandemic in March or April of 2020, but um, they were putting together food banks, emergency food banks, and these men and women in the guard were called up and they were working, I mean, you know, it's not nine to five in the military, it's until the mission is complete. And it was just incredible to witness and be around the soldiers that really wanted to make sure that the food was getting out. There were other operations going on at the same time, um, putting together medical equipment, making sure that the state was prepared um, for the pandemic. And I was at the time helping assist with media. So we brought in, um, uh, a couple of reporters who wanted to cover the good works of our soldiers. And there was a visit by the first partner, Governor Newsom's partner, came and spoke to the soldiers. And I thought it was a very nice gesture um, to recognize them and their hard work. You know, these are men and women that um, are called up regardless of, you know, their financial situation, their family situation. When you get called up, you drop everything, including your employment, and you have to respond to that call. And a lot of soldiers did that for several, several weeks and were away from their families. And, and they made that sacrifice willingly and with a positive attitude because they wanted to ensure that the most vulnerable in our state were taken care of. So I really enjoyed my time and maybe one day I'll be back. But for now, I do serve on the board of the California State Guard Foundation, which um, does help provide equipment to those soldiers so that they are safe as well and that they're properly trained. Well, Antoinette, wow. Thank you for your service. Thank you for all you do. Roundtable Group is going to be making donations both to VLI and to the California State Guard Foundation in your honor. And I encourage our listeners to do so as well. Thanks for being part of our show, Antoinette. Thank you, Russ. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Engaging Experts. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss our future episodes.